Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. In fact, wherever or whenever you're listening to this episode of the NI Golf Channel podcast, we're back again, myself and herself, Emma. Hello, how are Hello, you? Hello, good, thank you, how are you? Oh, very good, thanks. Surprisingly enough, we could probably do 15 podcasts this week, give it all <laughs> that's going on about. This is the week, if you're listening to this out of kilter, this is Live Golf Week. All there has been is wall-to-wall golf and plenty of it not that useful. Uh, we will get on to the, the live stuff. However, Emma, yes, what have I yes. got this week? We have other things to talk about. Uh, Paul, you've been chatting to Mazarin's Gareth McNeely, who's captaining the first Irish squad to compete in the 2022 European Team Championships for golfers with a disability. Yep, we've got our usual roundup of the amateur game. And we hear from Aideen Walsh, who successfully defended her Ulster Stroke Play title at Beaver Park. Fantastic. And given that the first event is indeed on this week, we will be all over the very first live golf event. You can't get away from it. There is no escaping. No. <laughs> uh, right, so quick roundup for some of the wee bits of news that people might have escaped recently. Um. Our own Porrick Harrington, one of the good guys, will make his debut at the Senior Open presented by Rolex this year. Uh, he joins a host of fellow Open champions of the Eagles from July the 21st to the 24th. Uh, this will be the first time Porrick plays in a Senior Open. I can't get my head around the fact that Porrick Harrington's 50 plus. Don't, don't. It makes he the does, he doesn't feel. act like 50 plus, does he? No, he's probably, he's always seemed Very about young. 40, like just yeah. constantly seemed about 40. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he has, a, he has a, a young mind, a young inquiring mind. Mm, and a wee twinkle in his eye always. Henrik Stenson has named Italian Eduardo Molinari as his second vice captain for the 2023 Ryder Cup, which will be played, of course, in Rome from September the 25th to the 1st of October next year. Molinari, alongside brother Francesco, was, of course, part of the victorious European team in the 2010 Ryder Cup at the washout that was the Celtic Manor Resort in Wales. So hopefully better weather in Italy. And um, the 41 year old is Stenson's second vice captaincy appointment for following the announcement earlier this month of Dane Thomas Bjorn, the successful 2018 European captain, of course. But that seems to be another very sensible appointment. Eduardo's a big stats man. Mm. Obviously stats Italian, man. so it works. Italian, but, yeah. yeah, but he, he, he and he's a long-term European tour member. He's been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's very much into his old statistics, so he understands all that stuff. So that's, you know, on the back of, of, of Thomas Bjorn going in, You'd already mm-hmm. say Henrik's picked two good ones, sir. Absolutely. And um, I suppose getting getting further down the list, there might have been other people he might have considered, which now probably won't be considered. But yeah, but that aside, they um yeah, you can't argue with either of those. And they're very, very different and bringing very different things. So it seems like a bit of a mastermind going on with yeah, young Henry. Very good. Yeah, very good. So Rory McElroy won't be at the Irish Open this year. Uh He's skipping it. He he, he will be in Ireland wherever he'll be playing the JP McManus Pro-Am. A couple of other lads have confirmed their place at Mount Juliet. That's Terrell Hatton, Thomas Peters and Torbjorn Olsen. So they're going to play. Just on another note around uh, the JP McManus Pro-Am. So Tiger Woods recently confirmed he's going to skip the US Open. Um, Mm -hmm. He's decided his body's not ready for it. But he is going to play in the JP McManus Pro-Am. Um, and he's still hoping to play in the Open Championship. 
Yep, absolutely. And that would be nice, wouldn't it, for everybody? 150th open tiger there. Yeah, there's something something full circle about that, isn't there? Uh, so on to another US Open. Of course, we had the women's one, and Leona McGuire scored her second top 10 finish in her last four major starts at the US Women's Open at Pine Needles Lodge in North Carolina. Leona finished tied for eighth, which was brilliant because it was good enough to earn an invite into next year's event at Pebble Beach, which people are already looking forward to. She banked over a quarter of a million dollars for her efforts as well. The tournament was won in fine style and just a ridiculously convincing manner by Australian Minji Lee, who finished with a championship record 13 under par, earning her second career major championship. And also great news, Paul, with all the big bucks on offer, particularly after our last podcast where we were reflecting on the lack of money in areas of the women's game. Exactly. But wasn't this fantastic? The money on offer is brilliant so yeah long overdue very very fine winner nice course good good tournament um and she, she certainly she certainly was uh she was a, a very worthy winner played some lovely golf and as yeah. you say there you go quarter of a million dollars for leona and like yeah. we're talking about a couple of weeks ago um olivia mahaffey and whatever pit and she earned from her led event so hopefully signs are that women's golf is going to pick up financially fingers crossed we we'll hope so good on absolutely okay so in a historic first golf ireland is sending a team to the 2022 european team championships for golfers with a disability the competition takes place in belgium from june the 9th to the 11th and paul caught up with team captain gareth mcneely to get the load on Gareth, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Very welcome, Paul. Great to chat to you again. Gareth, we were saying earlier on, this is a real first. This is a, a disability team going to play in an event um, and quite a high-quality team as well. I think the calibre of the player is, is pretty special, but why is it so important? Yeah, Paul, seriously important. And as you say, the calibre of the player just keeps getting better. Um start of the year I had to put the question to Gulf Ireland about um, sending a team to European Championships at that stage with four players and I thought I might even have a chance of making the team myself you know and by the end of um, February there were nine players in the world rankings and we had a f- um, trials you know so you end up with, with two um, sessions at, at Carton House of the two courses and you end up leaving really good players at home, you know. So before got lads go on highest handicaps three, three of them playing off scratch. Uh, and to me, it's so important because these top lads, and they're all young, you know, the, none of them are, in their, are over 30. So they can pave the way and they play so well and they do well and they've got a chance of, uh, of really doing things in disabled golf that brings a publicity and it gets people talking about it and then that's where we find the parents of a young child who born with a disability or the lad or lady who's in an accident or recovering maybe had played golf before or maybe had never thought of golf so they these top lads and their publicity to me, it it just shines a light on what this game can do for people like myself who had a, a trauma, somebody like yourself who was born with, with life challenges and just to showcase the beauty of this game, you know, and it really is a game for people from 
six to eighty six, you know, and and, and older if, if 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 they're healthy, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you talked about the selection process, the team itself. Who are they? Um, you know, where they're from, and tell us a wee bit about them. No problem. So first, then Brandon Lawler. Um, don't need to say a lot about Brandon. Everybody knows him. He's been um, the trailblazer for disabled golf now in Ireland for the last four years. Current world number one. Always up there competing um, at the top of the tournaments. He is now playing in the G4D at the European Tour um, level. And um, yeah, very strong player, Brenton, as you know, from um, near Dundalk there in County Louth. Next, then Connor Stone. Connor's from Trim, although he's playing out of um, Carton House. Uh, again, a plus handicap golfer um, like myself, tall lad. He was. Um, he had scoliosis, so he has some metal work in his spine. Um, has a quirky swing, but hits the ball lovely and a long way. And he won the tournament in Santo Mer there um, at, towards the end of April. So, again, another player who has um, experience out on the Agatura and experience of winning. Next, then, we have Aidan Grennan from um, Balnaslow. Um, Aidan is a, um, a below knee amputee as a result of a, an accident and um, he, he is not a very solid player. He won the uh, net tournament down in Montado, south of Lisbon there when we were down in um, towards the end of February. So again, another lad who knew to the um, Agassin but um, hit the ground running and um, has performed well in the tournaments he's played in and had a very, very solid first um, day at, at Carton, which, which got him in. And then a new player, a new lad to myself I hadn't met before, um, Alan Gaynor. Alan's from County Sligo. Um, he has, um, I think he's a missing fingers um, on the left hand and, and he has a quirky way of holding the club, but a very solid player who has experience of playing in a lot of amateur stuff in Ireland and has just found the um, disability golf scene last um, winter, really, and got himself registered and signed yeah. up. So, yeah, really solid, you know, really, really good good players. And I yeah. say the, the standard of, at, at Carton over the two days of the trials was just really impressive to watch. And it made me realise that my hand, 12 handicap just isn't going to cut it, you know. <laughs> That's a shame on your part, but obviously it's it's nice to be able to put out a strong team. And I think one of the, the things you mentioned there is, you know, when you first broached the subject, you were thinking, oh, are we going to struggle to get four players? And then word gets out. Before you know it, you have nine or ten. And, and then more word gets out and you've got more people playing and more people interested. And these people come out of the woodwork who are, are seeing a, a sort of a pathway now, which obviously Brenton has led on. In your dealings with Golf Ireland, how this process has gone, how have you found it all? Who have you been talking to? Has Neil Manship been involved? Yeah, it's been, it's been really, really good, Paul. Um, my dealings with Golf Ireland started really with um, Al McCormick and, and Rory Leonard before years ago and when they were CGI and in the run-up to Golf Ireland. And we talked about disability golf and what we'd like to do. And it was um, myself and Brendan and our friend Trevor, who we lost last year. And, you know, we, we had hopes and dreams, but COVID obviously set us back a couple of years. But I never really I never really expected it to take off as quickly as it has this year. And 
we have, along with yourself, a uh, set in the Disability and Inclusion Committee, and and we've seen that disability and inclusion is now a key pillar of what Gulf Ireland want to do. It's it's um, can be seen as a key, another key growth factor for the game. You know, I always say disabled people have friends and family. They want to come to golf clubs. They want to eat in the restaurants like like everybody else. And it, there's an opportunity there. And really, Gulf Ireland have embraced it. So we have. It wasn't like. I was given a budget and said, there you go, Gareth, away and run um, your disability um, event and, and have fun. It's Everything is Gulf Ireland, so players are kitted out just the same as any other team. Um, we have Neil Manship um, fully on board, and he, he um, hosted both of the um, trial days. He's actually coming out to... Um, Belgium with us this week for a couple of days just at the start just to make sure the lads are already set comfortable for for the um, event and we also have Jerry Hullohan who uh, as you are aware is the chair of our disability and inclusion committee but she also sits on Gulf Ireland board you know so that's the level of, of involvement we have from Gulf Ireland there's the financial commitment and they're also putting their people forward as opposed as I say to send the likes of myself or yourself go ahead lads away you go there and enjoy yourselves and I'm yeah. sure report back to us so fully fully inclusive fully part of the, the golf ireland um team set up and yeah it was it was lovely to go and collect the, the kit and uh, and i look forward to seeing the lads um wearing it you know um from your role um as the captain this is new to you it's uh you've never played in one of these events ireland's never been represented in one of these events what's the format um when does go you know give us a bit of detail about what you're hoping to do and how you're hoping to work things out yeah so a captain i'm actually thinking i don't think i've ever captain anything even a school five aside team you know so it's it is it is new i suppose i i, I get them um, i'd be a bit of a talker and people know me and i've been about the disability golf scene for a while so yeah i was asked um i was asked by neil and jerry if i would consider a captain and it's, it's a real honor you know um and everything nice about it except for a couple of lads um who played in the trials really good golfers who've been about the disabled scene for a while and you have to call them and tell them that they didn't make it on this occasion you know and that's that's not a nice phone call and i understand you know if you if you're coaching um football teams or rugby teams or that those sorts of calls get made every week but it was something i didn't find easy you know especially when you're calling friends there so but yeah look really looking forward to it we go on early flight on tuesday morning all being well and we have practice day on Wednesday and then we go greensums Thursday, foursomes Friday and singles on Saturday. And it's the top three scores in the singles that count, you know. So exciting times. Um, we have an idea in our head about our parents, but they could change. And the thing about it is the lads are all new to each other. So the parents, there isn't. we haven't got the stage where, where people have uh, maybe developed a liking or a disliking for each other. So the Which parents, could be a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, parents can be pretty fluid, but the lads had a lads had a practice again at um, Carton last Friday um, at nine holes of greensums, nine holes of foursomes, and all went well. There was no fallout. So, yeah, um, exciting. Can't wait. Um, are you going there hope or expectation in mind going there um, expectation nearly uh, and I, ha I have to attempt with that but I, I have had been speaking to a few guys from other countries had a few messages and everybody knows we're strong you know as I say the that sort of um, 
highest handicap of two around three, two point something around three there is would make us a team that would probably have the lowest handicap put together. There's other there's other um countries there, the fourth player might be coming in at six, seven, or eight, you know. So it's um yeah, and the other thing just with as I say, Brendan is a serial winner, and the other two, like Connor and Aiden, getting wins there earlier in the season. Alan, a really solid player, it just yeah, just leaves you excited for um, what could happen. But again, you know, we're new to this. They're the Swedes, the Dutch, the French. They've been they've been playing on these championships for quite a few years, so that experience will come to them as well. And, and obviously, Greenclums and Foursomes might be a bit of a um uh leveler for a few um people as well but yeah look forward to it what about the um the event itself you know how how many teams are playing a try and give us a an idea of how big a thing this is it's it's not two men the dog it's a proper event there's and it's run by the ega as well the european golf association and you know just looking at the emails and things coming through very professional setup we have two events actually going on. So we have the European Championship. Um, so I asked for a team for that at the start of the year. And that is your players going, playing off scratch. And there's 14 countries in that. And then we have a Nations Cup, which is um, a handicap event. And teams, countries can say on the second team to that. So that'd be something you would look to, you know, look for that second team and four more players in two years' time, hopefully. So the, the, there's seven or eight teams in there. Um, so you, you you're talking about um you're talking over twenty teams over over eighty golfers. So there's going to be a lot of people there. Hopefully, a nice bit of um media coverage for it as well. And we're on the southwest Belgium on the coast there, just north of the um, French border Dunkirk. So well, it looks set fair. So there'll be no excuses. You know, we we go um, and we look to do our best. And finally. On a personal note, you're building up, and myself included, we're building up to this, the very first Irish Disabled Golf Open event that's being held at the, at the start of July, which, as you say, is just another idea of how things are moving ahead with the disability golf scene. Yeah, really, really excited, Paul. I've, I've got, um, as the same health asthma wasn't great there for a while, so I haven't played as much as I'd like. Played at the Johnny Ray Classic over in England in May, um some good stuff but too much too many lost balls um i had to um the english disabled open here in a couple of weeks over at carden park in chester and then all rosalie de roganstown um really excited looking there this morning i think with 35 players entering now it was 10 or 11 of those are coming from um other countries but just to have you know say if, if that's 24 disabled golfers from um Ireland in an event, all sorts of disabilities. It's just it's really really exciting. You know, Johnny Foster entered just made yourself about five years ago at the Port Stewart at the uh, at the Irish Open. We talked about it. You know, each of us maybe knew one or two disabled golfers or guys would would spoke to in social media. But to get everybody to get everybody together to get it supported by Golf Ireland and to see Irish disabled open winners present it. Um, it's really going to be something special. So yeah, I'm going to I'm practice as much as I can, um, trying to find that a game and see if we can get down and maybe get in among the prizes. But yeah, it'll be a proud day to see that first, see that first shot hit off the first tee in the first morning. Um, yeah, it'll be thanks to 
a lot of work from a lot of different people, you know, yourself included, and, and exciting times. And as we spoke about last week, um, you know, we, we, we've Michael McKellar coming, a Paralympian who's retired. He's already well known in the disability sports scene. Mad King for golf, you know, and these guys have a profile and it's just going to grow. You know, I, I'd expect if, if, if we do get close to 40 entrants this year, maybe next year we have over 50 and, that, and that's the next time I'm uh, maybe in around looking at teams or Neil or whoever is picking teams for two years' time, the trials are going to be more than seven or eight players, you know, so really, really exciting times. And say, I always say this, the key of all this or what we're trying to do here, we're trying to find more people to come and join not necessarily to be competitive, but if you want to be competitive, that avenue's there. But we also have Dega up and running again and just a social game of golf for somebody, anyone from, as I say, a young age to an old age and any disability, get everybody playing together. And especially big key for the future is finding female disabled players because really the only ones we know or the only ones I've met anyway have been um, ladies who are, who are blind players. So I would love to meet some amputees or some some who were born with other disabilities and who could come and join us, you know. So really exciting times and I'd say delighted that Golf Ireland fully fully committed behind it. And as you said there earlier, more and more players are, are coming out, want a piece of it, want to enjoy. If there's top players, they want to enjoy that limelight that um, Brendan's having, see if they can get a piece of it. And if they're like yourself or myself, competitive um, handicapped players, we just want to play as much golf as possible. Right, okay, on this the amateur stuff. Um, late town in Betty's town, Alex McGuire has been crowned East of Ireland champion at Baltray. The 20-year-old finished on eight under par. That was two clear of Dundalk's Keelan Rafferty and Forrest Little's Jack McDonnell. And La Hinch's Aideen Walsh retained her Ulster Stroke play title at Beaver Park to book her place in the field at the ISBS Honda World Invitational. Here's Aideen chatting to some of the scribes after her success. Back-to-back championships. Yeah, it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe. It's not easy to do it back-to-back. I mean, it's not easy to do it once. That's right. I don't do it back-to-back. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really nice. Happy now. Happy. And a different experience from uh, last year. Literally. Well, like, when you think about it, it's completely different golf compared to, like, World Countdown last year, Lynx Golf, this year being Beaver Park. So, just completely different golf. Perfect. Both years. And how do you feel you played today overall? Overall, I played pretty well. Um, I started pretty rocky. I don't go with the first and I was like, ah, here. Right. Kind of told myself to cop on. And then I finished well in the first round. And then I kind of stayed pretty steady then. And that was enough in the end. So I'm happy overall. Excellent. What's next then? Obviously, uh, you'll be playing in the, you've got the uh, automatic. Yeah, that would be nice. I played in that last year. So it'd be nice to go back there again. Perfect. I think it's the middle of August this year. So. The next few weeks are actually really busy. We have the Irish close in Grange and then the British Amateur at the end of the month. Okay. So it's a busy few weeks. Very good. And yeah. time for much practice? Yeah, a bit of practice in between. I'm back to work as well. So um, I have about a week and a half, I'd say, and work and practice. Lovely. It's hard balancing the two, but you've, you seem yeah. to manage okay. Yeah, I seem to manage it all right. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm a primary school teacher, so kind of after school I can still practice a bit. It's what, ideal hours. What, what age, Premier? Well, for any age from 4 to 12. Okay. Yeah. Any budding golfers coming through that age group? Yeah. There, in my last school, there was a few golfers actually in Holly Park. In about sixth class, you'd have a few that'd be quite good. But um, normally, 
not. But I do try and do it in school to oh. get them encouraged and stuff. Perfect. Perfect. A lot of them have never played. Scribes. <laughs> I couldn't resist it. I know I, I couldn't like, resist it. Who yeah, calls journalists scribes any longer? <laughs> Anyway, Tremor's Jack Hearn will also be playing in the ISPS Handeworld Invitational. He won the men's title at Beaver Park. Um, second place, Robert Brazil from Nice, will also get to tee it up at the ISPS event. Milltown's Jodie Fanagan is the 2022 Irish Senior Men's Amateur Open Champion at Douglas GC. Fanagan edged out local Carl Bournemouth by a shot in Cork. Right then, so after all the talk and the pontificating, we're here. Live golf is underway at Centurion Club. And it would be easy, Emma, for you and me to sit here and talk about the wherefores and morals and people saying they weren't coming and are coming and a list of who's there and who's not there and all that sort of stuff and give mm-hmm. off a stink and point fingers. But rather than do that, Let's try and look at the broader picture and see what this means for the game in general and the pro game, because I think it's worth saying that while we're talking here, the Curtis Cup's on this week. And it's just as if the whole, you know, there's no there's no oxygen for anything else. Mm-hmm. Other than live golf, so live golf is totally dominating. There's an event on in Canada, Rory McIlroy's defending. There's hardly a word about that. And Scandinavian um, mixed. The as Scandinavian well. mixed. Hardly a word about that. Live bloody golf is the only <laughs> game in town, and mm. everybody's talking about it. So if we take it, say let's just have a think here and say, six weeks down the line, mm-hmm. when Liv's had another event, right? Yeah. Where will golf be? So let's start just at the very basic. Is having the live golf events on going to be a positive or a negative for golf? Now, I know that's a big question. You could talk forever. However, in general, what is your gut feeling about pro golf? Let's start with pro golf and then golf. Well, we're obviously not we're not part of sports washing we're not not talking about the other stuff because we we have often talked about that but i think it depends what it actually is because the whole is it is it a wolf in sheep's clothing sponsorship from saudis aside because they were all for the oh we're an additional thing we're not here to replace the tour we're not here to you know shake it up too much it's a new format it's this team's thing it's it's a addition to everything but what is it eight events to start with but then looking up to 12 or 18 or something next season and that doesn't sound like complimentary to me that sounds like a coup to be honest so it's that thing isn't it if everything else aside you know there was the was the pgl is that what the the other initial potential rivalry tour that's right and in that instance it was like well a bit of competition might be healthy to have another format because that's the thing isn't it that PGA Tour is fantastic and the talent that it brings on and it's got the support of Corn Ferry and all that stuff but they haven't actually changed anything radically other than you know the names of their events have changed because the sponsors have changed over how many years but nothing else has really shaken up and maybe they've missed the opportunity themselves to 
shake things up, try and bring more people in in a different in a different way. Just open up pro golf to you know more match play or teams or you know every time there's a team event, even if it's two in the men's or the women's, everybody says, wouldn't it be great if we could have a men's and women's team event because that would be brilliant. And it just feels like there are missed opportunities that maybe this might stir up and spur other tours into, which I think could be a positive. Um, I don't know what it means long-term for the PGA and DP World Tour, if they're going to have to join forces even more, although it seems like that might have been slightly what's triggered this as well. I don't, I obviously don't know what that will mean. And it it's hard to know, but it feels quite seismic. It doesn't feel like it was a little... No. Before it felt a bit like we could dismiss it and it was ridiculous in so many ways. And then maybe it was like, oh, they've got Phil on board, so it's going to happen. And then he really messed that up. Um, so it felt like it had gone again. But then all these last minute signings or un- unsignings from PGA mm-hmm. Tour is like, well, they have managed to get some people, but I don't. I still don't really see it's not it's being streamed but who's really gonna watch it unless you're absolutely already an avid fan of some of these people or you want the we nosy to see exactly what it's like I don't really see that it's gonna have a massive effect and the majority of people who have signed up to it are still all of the same kind of player like the guts of the field is still not the top top players in the world or people who've even been in the top 10 in the world it's some journeymen who've seized their opportunity and so I don't are they going to be missed on the other tour those people I don't know there's not enough people have gone from you know the Rory's and the Justin Thomas's and people and you're hedging your your bets here you're hedging your bets here is pro golf in a better or worse state (laughs) I don't know I I think I think probably better because it's something needed to come and stir it up but I'm still highly resentful of it and I because of the sponsorship and I can't let that go and I think that's my issue with it is that because of the funding the two things are too intertwined and it's two separate conversations it should be two separate conversations and they're being bundled into one whereas if it had been the other um the other setup that had pulled this off before the Saudis went and did it fair point fair point so you're 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 you would suggest that because of Live Golf, the other tours are all going to have to get on their bike and get their thinking hats on and try and come up with something to change the current status quo. And if yeah. that means new events, new approaches, um, then so be it. Okay. Yes. And that's, that's not a bad like, thing. Good for No, you. and I think, I think it's particularly a PGA tour thing, to be honest, because the joint events with women's um, tour events. And, you know, even we were just saying the Scandinavian mix, those are innovations and those are progress and those are changes that have been happening. But there's no sign of any such thing on PGA Tour. No, there's not. And and to be honest with you, the DP World Tour has probably been in a position where it needed to innovate. So it has done the Scandinavian and it has done the ISPS Honda World Invitational. And it did do the shot clock and it did do the sixes and it's tried to do yeah. all that so what do you think turning uh, pro, pro golf has a real problem now and mm. this is this is this is this is the problem there was for for 
want of a better a better word hierarchy in golf that has developed over the last 10 or 20 years that meant that there was a pathway so you had mm -hmm. a pathway where if you were good enough you could earn yourself a card play your way onto a tour and play your way into the wgc's and the majors and by playing good you got sponsors by getting sponsors you could afford to maybe play a few less events and focus on majors and it allowed there to be a, a sense of a process for people to make their way up the rankings okay yeah live sure. golf blows that out of the water because they're hand-picking players but how long is that sustainable for because they have got it, they have got bottomless pits of money they do but my, what i mean what i mean by that is if you've lost they, they still need the other tours at this point that's the other thing because otherwise where where are these players coming from where is the process how do they know who they want to go after well if you have a young player from um say a developing part of the world hmm. we'll just say turkey okay a turkish player is coming on who seems to be quite good he has a bit of a local following why would you wait for him to play his way through you just offer him 30 million to come and play in your tour but what's he bringing if he's, he's not bring, he's bringing the mean? fact he's bringing the fact that he's from turkey and okay. then you can go there and host an event and that's allowing you allowing you to, to meet that brand and to sports wash in that area mm. and that in that market you see so that that is that is where that is what pro golf now is a problem so pro golf has now is a problem in terms of playing your way through the tours up into the pga tour into the top 50 into all the wgc's and all the majors that's that's gone. the thing isn't it it depends it depends it i think a lot of it will depend on what happens with the majors so the fact that the us open has said that people who've played their way in it, if 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 they crack it so that you can qualify still through the paths if you can get qualified for majors and things to get through via live then great but Otherwise, I don't. I, I think a lot of it will depend on what the majors decide. Yeah. About if, if the majors, if the masters comes out next week and says that anybody plays who's not playing on a recognized tour cannot play in their event, that might mm -hmm. change everything overnight. But mm -hmm. against that, remember that the masters has a tradition of allowing past champions and all to play in it. They do whatever they like, though, the masters yeah. committees. It'd be very yeah. unusual mm -hmm. for them to to turn around and and say at the end of it that past champions like Charles Schwartzel, yeah, and, or Phil Mickelson won't be and there the next, year. or the, yeah, won't be there next week next year. So mm -hmm. I'm not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be back on the majors. So I think that pro golf has got a real problem now in terms of showing players pathways and allowing people. And I mean that isn't just the players that's fans fans mm. can see these players coming through and follow yeah. them and develop them and that's how they develop their relationship and that builds marketing and that builds sponsorship and that does that yeah. live golf has blown that out of the water and it's blown all the corporate sponsorship it's blown all that attached player sponsorship these players do not need sponsors any longer no yeah, well it's just as well though because at the moment who's going to see them the whole yeah. point of being sponsored yeah. is to get your mug on telly or get so your... So they do not need them. So so for me, pro golf, pro golf is in a very 
strange and dangerous place for young golfers and for developing the talent. It's also completely worsened the situation for the women's game as well because now there's nobody's offering the women this to go and play. So it's yet another As we know, know, Armco do the ladies series. Yeah. We wouldn't be fans of that and it's pittance compared to what this is. Yeah, exactly. There's no, I think I saw one one Dan Godding from the, the, the PGA Euro Pro Tour. Yeah. Say, anybody want to throw some of the money down to the feeder tours? Mm. Now, you could say that for some of the younger players, they're looking at that and think this is great. Opportunities are going to open up at the top and I could get in. Mm. Possibly. But I just think that, that the, I think that long term, the business models that the PGA Tour and the DP Tour are built on is having stars in place, having mm-hmm. recognizable names. If you lose two or three of those top ones, and at the moment it's not Rory yeah. McIlroy, Tiger Woods, Chauffle, uh, um, yeah. you know, Morikawa, they're, they're, they're all young yeah. and they're all the current crop and they're all there. Bryson goes, whatever hundred million, million, millions he's gone. You know what I mean? That's, that's the first young player. Um, and he does shit needle he does move the needle but so again that's, that's he's already thing. established so he's going to bring they want him because of what he brings yeah and yeah you know what i mean it's it's almost a vicious circle there's there's so much that's unknown isn't there it's not yeah. i still yeah. just don't see how it's sustainable though if it, it, no. well, it depends let, if they get it on if somebody's yeah. willing to broadcast it and not just stream it it's going to make a massive massive difference well, they don't they don't need the money for anybody to broadcast it in theory, but this is the in weird theory, thing. So what's the point? If you don't need the money because you don't want it on telly, you don't need sponsors. You don't. What? Why are they even doing it? <laughs> because you don't need sponsors. They don't need. You can put it on YouTube and get millions of viewers. You can put clips up on social media and get millions of viewers. You don't need the. But that's not. That goes against everything they're saying about growing the game because you're not. If you're just putting like one golf shot here and there because somebody's chipped in, who? That's not. No one's growing the game. Growing the game is not that. Come on growing the game well that's Gro- there i know Go, but there's absolutely it? no interest in growing the game come on i know that's, well no i I, I feel like this, this is why i don't get i don't get the point i know they've got bottomless pit of money but what yeah. why, not, why look, do don't do? think of it i think the problem is that people think of it as a business model it's not a business model no, it's exactly. not there to make money it is no. there for one thing and one thing only the spread <laughs> to show people now and, and eventually if it continues three or four years and it'll eventually people will just move on and they'll just accept it it'll mm. just be it's just be a matter of that first three or four years where i can get over it. so that's my thoughts of golf. now alongside that and we're talking about the tour so where does it leave the Ryder cup in a mess because, and that's the answer the Ryder cup is in a mess now because potential captains are look like they're ruling themselves out there there's no world ranking points for lives so there's no way these guys can get themselves into up and down the rankings and even for example if um the likes of dustin johnson's resigned his pga membership he yeah. can't play on a Ryder cup team no however so, by by resigning like they somebody was suggesting that that means that they haven't been punished or anything because they've resigned and therefore they could always reapply later. You if could. They 
Like, yeah, you can replay. Little... You know, for Europe, you've got Poulter, Westwood, Sergio Garcia are just three names. And yes, they may be towards the end, but they were going to be part of the whole legacy, uh, legacy captaincy, mm -hmm. maintaining that corporate identity, everything that everybody wanted to know about. Yeah. Um, and in the American side, they probably have that many good young players is not going to affect them so much. So from a European point of view, it's probably more damaging. Would you agree with that? I think that's a very good assessment. As we as previously discussed after the last Ryder Cup, we're already in a much weaker position because of the amount of young talent that was, you know, essentially on show last time and wiping the floor with us. And there's only more coming from where they came from. Um, and we were relying on our elder statesmen for inspiration if if not points <laughs> and yeah whether they were going to shift to be backroom staff or whatever that's looks like you know and gmac as well you know like there's there's big there's big history and there's recent history as well and i think that's what's disappointing about it from a fan's point of view is that yeah. you know the 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 everything about the Ryder cup you know whether you like game polter generally or not everyone loved them that week and now it's like that didn't mean as much as it well it did at the time but isn't it disappointing like Rory said sometimes when you make decisions just for money it's not doesn't work out and yeah. that's yeah. what's happened they've they they can't deny it either and the the questioning in those press conferences was very uncomfortable but I would have had more respect really if some of them had just gone you know what it's a ridiculous amount of money and I couldn't say no yeah all this yeah. other crap that they're all the nonsense is absolutely nonsense. And it's so hard being away from my family for this many weeks yeah. a year. And I thought, yeah. DJ, I thought I was going to have to play golf for the rest of my life. Oh, for God's sake. It's your job for starters, which is a dream job compared to most of the population of the entire world. Yeah. Quit your, you know, get off the cross. It's, it's, a, it's a dream job even, DJ, for, for you're, you're in the 1% of, of golfers who have made a fortune and could retire already. Exactly. It's just... You know? Okay. It's, it's all very hollow and it's yeah from the Ryder Cup point of view I think it's it's very damaging and it's also it's upsetting without trying to sound too dramatic about it I think it it feels you know like we've had a bit of a breakup and it's like did we mean nothing to you <laughs> that's a very good point the breakup and finally just one more thought about this live golf stuff will it make anybody else play golf and I can't see it making no. anybody else play golf. No, other than no. Turkey, if that's your hypothetical. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, and I was stretching there for. Gonna, I was stretching for some gonna, sort of example, but you know, who's yeah. going to go? Who's going to see it? Nobody. Yeah. It was meant. You know, they're saying, "Oh, it was bought high between fifty and eighty quid a ticket or something." Now they're giving yeah. the tickets away through the players, so they're trying to get people to go. It was like yeah. there's nothing about it that's actually going to grow the game. I don't really. No. see how anybody's gonna i think i think let's put it this way i think if in three months time we're having more discussions i think you could find that there'll be some scrambling over the next three months between mm. the pga tour and the dp world tour and uh, i think as you say i think this week has been quite seismic in terms of where mm. pro golf is and the only thing I would say to people is just be like the rest of us. Just watch good amateur golf. It's far better crack. <laughs> You're at the Curtis Cup this week. You're going to see good golf. Absolutely.